Hello, everyone. I hope you are doing well. On today's episode of the podcast, I sit down with Philip Boyd. Philip is an accomplished actor and writer and someone who has a great journey. Uh, to be honest with you, I thought this episode was going to be a lot more about his acting career, roles that he's played, successes, failures, and talk to me about the whole life of acting. Uh, it, it wasn't. We we barely touched on it, to be, to be quite honest. Um, I, I'm into creating a podcast and creating this podcast for episodes exactly like this. This touched all emotions. We connected on a certain level. I love talking about life, as I've let you know before. Philip has one of these incredible life journeys and an incredible kind of American success story, if you want to call it that. Um, this is the stuff that I love to talk about. I love to dive, dive deep into that journey of life. I'm so grateful that Philip came on here and shared it with me. I was not expecting a lot of the things uh, that we discussed to be brought up, but uh, they were, and I, th I think it came out really great. He's a great dude. I can't wait to talk to him again. Hopefully, this isn't the last time that he's on the podcast. Um, without further ado, let's go ahead and roll it. Welcome to the Check the Tapes podcast, an entertainment podcast brought to you by Jeff Roppel. Join our vibe at Go Check the Tapes and GoCheckTheTapes.com. Enjoy. Sorry you couldn't make the trek to Ohio. Uh. So bummed about that. So, so, so well, first of all, it's a good thing, and we'll talk about that later. It's because you, you booked a, a new gig, right? Yeah. Well, you know, because of COVID, somebody tested positive for COVID, and then at the last minute they had to get somebody in because the production was going. Uh, so they just made, they made an offer to me last minute, and I said, great, I'll do it. Yeah. Uh, you know, but they had to pay me a little bit more because I was missing out on the Jason Day golf tournament thing. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, you're supposed to come in Ohio. We we're going to link up then. Um, so you, uh, that, that event's at double Eagle, right? Yeah, this is, uh, this would have been my fourth year there. So I, I'd been going there the last three years. Okay. And then, um, I was looking forward to going this year too, but just didn't happen. Last year, did you stay at the same place you were going to? That AC down there in that little that little district. Yeah, and they got like a cool bar near there too, like a lot of games and stuff in there. Oh, yeah. I, I don't they, know what it's called. They got a bunch of cool stuff down there. And, and since you've been here in a year, they probably opened up nine or ten. I, I live like four minutes from there. It's a very unique uh, thing to have in a suburb. It, it's like a little city, and it, it's got everything you could ever want. It's cool. Yeah, it really does. Like it, like that whole. It's like a whole little circle there with like just all these businesses. Yeah, when I moved here, that was a driving range, and I was totally against them getting rid of the driving range because it was this cool little driving range that, I mean, it wasn't little. You see how big the area is, but it had like a little bar and restaurant in it that was nice. So you could go and hit balls and everything, and it was like beautiful greenery. Like you know, when you're you're in Dublin. This is when you're when you live in Dublin. Golf's a pretty big deal with Jack Nicklaus and the Memorial Tournament and everything here, right? So. Like oh, plus, yeah. plush driving range. And I'm like, why in the fuck would they get rid of this? If I'm ever going to go out with my wife or go out on a, uh, you know, out for a night with guys or, you know, take a double date night, we're going to go downtown. You go downtown, it's, it's 15, 20 minutes and it's got a ton to offer and we love it. Dude, I don't even think about going downtown now. I'm like, I am old. <laughs> the sitter can sit here for only three hours. I can drive right over there in four minutes. So I, I've done a complete 180 and, and love it over there, man. 
That's great. Now, isn't there a top a top golf nearby too? There's a top. The top golf is um, I don't know a little bit closer to where that double eagle course is. It's kind of up in that that range of that that north uh, north Columbus area. But that um, yeah, I was gonna. I was going to say that when we're driving out to uh, Double Eagle, I, I always pass by the Top Golf, and yeah. I'm like, well, you know, I always stop by there on the way back home. Yeah, exactly. That Double Eagle, though, is unique, isn't it? Yeah, like, I think there's like 3,000 rounds that get paid, played on it per year. I'm surprised like, there's that it. many. Yeah. Every time. Yeah, maybe it's like 300. I don't know. Yeah, but, I, I every time I've played it, which is, I, I'm very fortunate, you know, you know how exclusive the club is, I've. I was customers of a couple members, yada, yada, whatever. I, I've played it probably two dozen times. And every time I've played it, we've gone out in basically either a foursome or maybe at the most three foursomes. I've played in a couple charity outings there. But when you go out as a foursome or just like, hey, let's take eight guys out and there's back-to-back foursomes, you literally don't see another human being on the course. Yeah, I mean, you're you could, the only people out there. Yeah, you could you could play naked when you go out as a foursome. There, there's literally <laughs> nothing that it's just cut out of the woods in the most plush, beautiful um, golf course you could ever imagine. Now, have you played the par three as I, well? I didn't. I didn't get to play the par three. I have toured it a couple times, especially when it was being built. Um, and we actually played like two holes the one day it was, it was, it had already been in play. We went like after our round type of thing and just played a couple, but have you ever seen anything like that for a par three on a uh, golf course? There's one in Augusta, I think, right? Oh but yeah. Other than that, well, there's not. Yeah. Well, Augusta then sets hers up, but yeah, it, it literally has that feel because they, they literally build those par three courses off of like championship holes from around the world, <laughs> but, but yeah, a little miniature I, version. Yeah, and I think that that par three, the greens on that par three are actually tougher than the greens on the double eagle <laughs> golf course. Yeah, they are, huh? It's crazy, it's man. Good. Yeah, you, you did get to play it. Yeah, I, uh, the head greens guy took me back there and allowed me to play it uh, one day when I was out there in Ohio, you know, doing yeah. the, the tournament. But it was just me and like it was actually me and him. We played really great. That's and fantastic. And there's a bunch of like houses. There's a bunch of houses and cabins back there too that they built up. Yeah, and then that that one building is huge, and it's the guy, you know, the guys, you know, I call it as the millionaire's playground. There, it's it's so cool. They have like office meeting, uh, like you can like book it for like business meetings and stuff. You know, you got to be tied into the whole thing. But imagine how that one big that one big building out there, the one garage door, like kind of opens, and it's this yeah beautiful big boardroom, and then you can roll out to that par three. It's it's just it's it's crazy. Yeah, that's out of my price range, man. That's oh, out of my, my pay grade. Goodness. How um how is that golf game? Uh I just played Riviera last week and I shot a seventy nine out there. I, I haven't been playing much because I've been so busy working. Yeah. But but um Riviera is one of my favorite courses around. Yeah. I don't know if you ever watched the tournament oh, when yeah. it's on T V or not. Absolutely. Yeah, I know Riviera well. Beautiful. Where'd this golf game yeah. come from? You're from Atlanta, right? Is it just I a am, is yeah. it Augusta type of feel that you're that close to Augusta being from Atlanta? Did you was it parents? Was it what what happened? Because I no, suck. we weren't. Yeah, we weren't. Um, you know, golfer golf is a is a rich man's sport. Yeah, I think absolutely. I'm not rich by any stretch of the imagination. <clears throat> Excuse me, but um, so I played baseball growing up. Okay, I, like I played baseball and it was a team sport and I loved it. And I think we went out to play maybe a couple of times when I was in high school. 
and maybe, yeah, because I moved out to California right after high school pretty much. Yeah. So we played a couple of times, and I was, like, not that great, but I like to hit the ball far because I could yeah. hit the ball far. Uh, and then my brother came out to California when I was living out there, and, and um, he said, let's go play some golf. And I hadn't played since high school. Like, I hadn't yeah. – and then and, I was just and, messing and around. Just I had no anywhere. idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So we went and bought some clubs, and – we played, and for some reason, I don't know, I watched a lot of it on TV, and it just made sense to me, the swing and everything. So yeah. we played. I, I think I shot like a 79 the, the first time going back out and playing. And he's Jesus. like, have yep. you been practicing? And I'm like, no, like you're supposed to get the ball in the hole at yeah. least amount of stroke, right? <laughs> you're like a savant. Like, uh, yeah, what do you mean? Aren't you supposed to hit it and get it in that hole in like three shots, four shots? Uh, yeah, dickhead. Yeah. You are. Yeah. Okay, I just got seven. <laughs> And then I got six after that. How about that? <laughs> right. Yeah. And I, I got a, so three's good, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Three's good. Oh, man. Yeah. So then I actually like met some people that knew the game very well and they would talk to me about it. And I never took a lesson. I actually tried to qualify for U.S. Open one year. And, you know, the first part of the, the, uh, the game went very, very well. And then something happened about halfway through. My vision started messing up. Like I got allergies or something. Yeah, yeah. So I ended up not doing well. But after that, I was like, you know what? I'm going to go take a lesson. Because if I shot a 74 that day, yeah. I want to be able to shoot a 64, you know? Right, yeah. You want to get addicted. Well, not only that, but like the guys that are playing pro, if you say you're a scratch golfer and the professional golfers on the tour, they are 10 strokes better than you. Exactly. That that there's so there's so many people on that cusp in the country that can go shoot sixty eight at their at their club and, and that they play or you know then they fire like a sixty six and there's so many of them and that's when if you really know the game of golf when you think about it I've got a I've got an uncle who's my my pioneer of golf right he's just like this aura of golf to me and he always put it this way if you think you're even close to being good enough to qualify or to do anything. Take, go for four days in a row, play from the back tees at a course you've never seen. You don't walk it or anything. And if you can shoot even par, stay with it and give it a chance. Otherwise, yeah, no shot. Because he's got he's got sons and kids that can you know. Th your handicap doesn't translate when you play the same course all the time and everything. You see people go out and they see it and they, yeah, then they're going to shoot through seventy six, seventy seven. Whether you know you bring. Like you said, Jason Day into there, he he laughs at that course you just played at that you shot your seventy seven at. He you, he could play half blindfolded and probably shoot sixty four. It's such a different yeah. level to what those guys are. I mean, there were for the uh, when the Nissan, I think it was the Nissan Trust, right on the Nissan Open at Riviera before, and so they had qualifiers where you could go play these courses and try to qualify to yeah. play, you know, in the in the tournament. So there was one at Angeles National Golf Course, which is kind of a hard course. It's a, it's a Nicholas design course, and it's got, like, ravines, and the greens are really fast and everything. And I think my lowest score there was a 67 ever, right? Yeah. For the qualifier, you had two people that tied at first at shooting a 62. Second place was 63. And then third place was, like, four ties or 64. Yeah. So, I mean, it's like, so, <laughs> yeah. And then, and then that's a Monday qualifier. So they shot a 62 at, at a hard course right. in Los Angeles. And then they go, you know, to go play on the tour at the event and they might not even make the cut. Yeah. They don't make the cut. It's crazy. Like, I, how can you make, how can you go shoot a 62 and then go 
you know, not even make the cut. I know. You know, I, I, as I move on with this podcast, you can already tell my obsession for golf. Now I'm like a, I'm like a 15. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I'm like a 15 <laughs> index. So we could sit here and talk about this all night, but I want, I want to talk. I've got a couple uh, ties to some guys um, that are actually on the tour and everything else. My, my wife actually is an event, pl- an event business and they actually do on the uh, events on the PGA tour uh, on the, what's it called now? It went from the nationwide tour to the corn Ferry tour. Is it still the corn? web.com and now it's corn fairy or corn i should know this because she would kill me whatever that whatever that next level down tournament is what they're fighting for to get their card you know people on that and that have come forward and that i've seen now come to the memorial tournament and make the cut and and it's like what a what an accomplishment to make a cut at a tournament like that do you understand the i know you do but the the type of player that has to get and what they have to put in so i'm, I'm fascinated by Imagine what you're doing as your career if you decided to go try to do that, how long it would take of living on the road. You pay your own plane ticket, and you don't make the cut. You don't get a dime, and you're paying for everything. Yeah, you got maybe some sponsors if you're that close, but, wow, that is a, uh, that is, that is a career that, I don't know, <laughs> good luck. <laughs> I mean, not only that, but, like, you got to think about this. People that don't see this part of it, you know, during the week there's a Monday qualifying round, mm-hmm. and then Tuesday is a practice round. Wednesday is the pro-am and then Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday is the tournament. So you're actually playing what six days of golf. Right. Yeah. I mean, you can, you know how much you could go through, I mean, in, in six rounds of golf, I, it, that could be like a whole, I could go through like three different players in six rounds of golf. It may be six, <laughs> six different players. You know what I'm saying? I could be six oh, yeah. different, completely players <clears throat> in six days, but I, you need your best for the, for the end of it. It's bananas. Yep. Yeah, you had to and be you're so, the most tired and Oh my god. You had to be a pretty damn good athlete with playing baseball, but I, I equate that thing to some of the best um uh celebrity proams and charity proams and all that. It's the hockey players. Hockey players are always the best. I think it, it's that swing obviously and they're athletic as hell and there's so many of them that are scratch golfers. My wife did a bunch of um you know, celebrity events. She used to do the Michael Jordan. I mean, it doesn't get a bigger celebrity in the world than that. Oh, wow. And I used to go to it. And these, um, a lot of baseball players, oddly enough, you know, it's pitchers and stuff, you know, John Smoltz and, and these guys that you hear are scratch golfers. And we see it on some of the pro-am <laughs> stuff. And, um, but a lot of the hockey players, man, were always, always the best at those pro-ams and everything. And I think, like you said, that baseball swing, that hockey swing, and if you're a good athlete, Everything connects, and it, it comes easy to them. Like, uh, yeah, you're supposed to hit it. You're supposed to hit it straight and really far, right? Yeah, yeah, jerks. We're, we're all trying to do that. <laughs> we're all trying to do that. It's so funny, right? So, like, I play in a lot of the celebrity, you know, golf tournaments that are out in California yeah. and, and around the, the country and whatnot. And I've, I mean, I'm only, I'm six feet, 175. Like, yeah. I'm not a big guy. And there's plenty of big guys that show up to the celebrity golf tournament thing. Right. And, I, and I've probably won the long drive contest in about six of those tournaments yeah no that's that's knowing it knowing how to use everything else because i tell you what those those little you're you said six one, 175 what, what's a guy like rory he's like 155 soaking wet and, and yeah they hit it three thirty. And, and ricky fowler ricky oh, fowler justin yeah. thomas they're just skinny guys and they just String know how to beans. like get everything in sync yep S- speaking of the celebrity golf thing how how did you so you're from atlanta you, you moved to yep. L.A. to pursue this acting career, which we'll get into, but how did you – how was the connection made with, with Jason Day? And, and for people that don't know Jason Day's story, uh, I mean, I'm sure they know Jason Day, but 
correct me if I'm wrong on this part, I think it was he met his wife in, like, Cleveland, right, or something, and that's how he got to at Ohio. At a bar, at a yeah, bar, at a, yeah. I think it was, like, the Winking Lizard in Cleveland. Met he was her, a waitress there, yeah. A waitress there, so now he yeah. he, he has fallen in love with, um, with Columbus and, you know, the community and everything else, so he lives here full-time, raises his family, obviously a, a member at double eagle i've i've met him in passing i've been up in that in that locker room i mean man what a cool dude sometimes you're playing out there and you can be playing like i said those naked foursomes i call them because you're just in the middle of nowhere and all of a sudden he rolls up and he obviously just plays through and does his thing but you know hey mate you know one of those nicest can be talks to you for a minute in the clubhouse then goes on about his business what what's the connection with the whole jason day thing and how you get invited to his celebrity tournament and all that so there's a, a lady named rowena Zimmers and um she actually works for a company called ALE and that's like they do like a lot of like uh natural disaster stuff that happens relief they'll go in and like yeah exactly okay. so she'll go in and help out people that need relief with the housing and whatnot so her company bid on an auction item or two auction items and some other celebrity like golf event thing and one was to play a round of golf with Jason Day and the other one was like to go watch Michael Phelps do something. Yeah. I don't know. So they won and Michael and Jason are friends. So Rowena just said, Hey, well, why don't we just make it an event out of it? in in uh, Chicago, in Chicago, actually in St. Uh, let's see where they do that tournament. It's in Geneva. Okay. So in St. In St. Charles, Illinois, yep. there's a, there's a tournament that they did there. It was called the golf give gala. And they had Jason day and Michael Phelps be the, the sponsors of the tournament and it had, like it was the money that we raised would go towards, you know, benefiting their foundations and also ALE's foundation. So they made a big thing of it. And I was just on a show at the time called the has and the have nots, uh, Tyler Perry show, yeah, little show. And, and yeah, yeah. His, his baby, his big, big, uh, show that set him off. Yeah. Um, so they called my people and asked if I'd be interested in playing in this. And I said, absolutely. You know? Yeah. So, so I went out there and I didn't know so the first, a whole so lot the of people. first piece of it came from you being on the, the have and have nots with Tyler, Tyler Perry. They got you from that and said, Hey, come and play this. Did they know you could golf? Was that part of it? Like how, well, you know what I mean? cause I a lot of people, because... you could bring Charles Barkley and he's killing everybody in the, in the crowd and whatever else, or take me out there. I mean, it's <laughs> nice that they found a, you know, what do you like a three, a three index to come and play in their charity open. Yeah, no. So they'll, they'll ask if you can golf or yeah. like, if you like okay. to golf, be a part of the thing. And there's a bunch of us, I think that, that know the game, like to play the game. Some yeah, are better know than how others, to get around, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think they all hate seeing me show up to them yeah. cause they're like, uh, damn it. Yeah. <laughs> You know, um, but with that being said, you know, I, I don't know, man, sometimes you can pull off shots and sometimes you can't. Yeah. I'm one of those guys. It's just like, I can figure things out. So like, if I see a shot, like around the tree through a little hole that's six feet, you know, big, I can shape it to where it'll go through that hole and land on the green. Yeah. yeah. Type thing. Okay. So on this particular course on the 18th hole, there are two bodies of water, one right in front of the tee box pretty much. And then there's a fairway. And then about 250 yards out, there's another like body of water, like a lake. So you got to kind of hit a good tee shot to get it in the fairway. Yep. So, so at this point, because it was a big thing in this town, it was the first time they had an event like this. Mm -hmm. St. Charles, it's a very small town. 
they had a lot of people that actually showed up to see all the celebrities and like, you know, see Jason Day and Michael Phelps. And yeah. so we had like a, we had like a gallery, like a kind of a gallery. Is, that, is this, this the first time thing. you've ever hit a golf shot with a, with a gallery at this time to that degree? Uh, yeah, kind of like this though. Yeah. But it's funny because there was, there was like an MC on the 18th hole and he was kind of getting the, you know, the crowd yeah. fired up and whatever. And they were, the crowd decided to start betting on people to see who would hit it in the water. They're mm-hmm. like, okay, you know, five, he's going to hit it. He's going to hit it in the front water. He'll hit it in the back water, whatever. So I got up there and they were like, you know, cheer. And they're like, you know, and it's, and the MC goes, is he going to hit it in the water? And they're like, uh, yeah, $20, whatever. And I said, wait, whoa, 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 wait, 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 what's the bet? And they told me the whole thing. And I said, okay, okay. I tell you what, I'll, I will, if you double the bet and it goes to charity, I will skip it over the first water and let it land in the middle of the fairway before it reaches the other water. And they're like, what? You're not going to do that. And so I get up. I said, okay, all right, here we go. And I look up to the crowd and I go, do you want one skip or two skips? Jesus Christ. For to go over the water. And they said, two. Yeah. I said, okay. Got up there, hit it. It went, and the whole crowd was like, one, two. Wow. Yeah, and it just—I just pulled off a shot that I probably could never do in my life again. Right. Yeah. But like, at, well, like they fun. do in that Augustus par on the 16 when they do the par three, they skip it over. You, you knew what you were doing from watching that. Like, all right, let me do this. Yeah. Who and was so, in your group? Uh, it was just me and like a foursome that that you know bought the group. Oh, I got you. So you're the celebrity in the group, and it's the foursome. Okay, I got you. Yeah, exactly. So uh, that was like the most money raised on that particular hole because of all that. Gotcha. And okay. so Jason, Jason, Jason came up, came up to me afterwards, and he's like, "Hey, man, I heard you're skipping balls over the lot over the lake. You know, like you gotta come down to Augusta." And I'm like, "Come on, anytime, anytime you want me to, man. Yeah. When I'll we go? So yeah. now, did he? He didn't witness it. He just heard, obviously heard this story. He, yeah, he heard about it. And so we started talking. And he's like, "You got to come play in my tournament." So get out. We ex- we exchanged numbers, and then you know, that's how that happened. Has he taken you to Augusta yet? No. <laughs> oh, come no. On. We got to get that. No. You got to get Buddy, there. I've got a friend of mine that's played in Augusta uh, two times in the last year. Oh man, yeah. I, I got I got an uncle who's played it several times, and one buddy who's played it uh, several times, and and that's about it. That's a that's a that's a rare. A rare situation. Um, that's a really cool Fucking story, lit. man. I, I I love that. It's it's, you know, you bet on yourself for that moment, and you had to be thinking, do, can I really pull this off? But also at the same time, who gives a shit? It'll be funny if I don't. But then when you pull it off yeah. after it, you get the attention of someone like Jason Day. So now, how long ago was that? That was probably about six, uh, maybe six years ago. Six yeah. years ago. So now you're. It's kind of an annual thing playing and playing in his tournament and all that. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's really cool. I love it. Um, so yeah, I mean, you, you, you talked about, you, you know, playing a little bit of golf in high school and then moving out to LA, you moved out to LA at 19. Yeah. Like, what, did so you like 20, 27 years ago? No, you don't got to date yourself. <laughs> Sorry. Right. I don't <laughs> no, mind. I don't playing. mind. Yeah. I don't either, man. <clears throat> um, you know, there's that, that's rare air, obviously. Um, I feel like most of the success stories I hear of people that are making it in, um, entertainment industry, whether it's a musician, a comedian, an actor, I feel like more often than not, 
the people that are raising the bar and have made it further and made it on the bigger stage kind of have that story. Now I don't, you can't, you can't fake it, right? You can't just be like, well, okay, when I get to 18 or 19, I'm just going to go to, I'm just going to go to New York and I'm going to start, you know, playing the guitar in bars or I'm going to start walking into comedy shows or whatever. Uh, was it something that drove you to it? Was it, you know what I mean? Was there, was there something you went through that said, ah, oh, fuck it, I'm, I'm going to try this? What, what gave you the inspiration or the balls to say, I'm, I'm an Atlanta, Georgia kid, you know, playing baseball, doing this, doing what normal 18-year-olds do, and I'm just going to roll out to L.A. and try to become an actor? Yeah, so I grew up in a small town called Conyers, Georgia. Okay. Very small I, town. I know and, it's at- um, You do? Okay. Yeah. I, it's I funny, to- I'm, I'm about to travel to that just kind of region for work all the time and everything and just kind of know that outside around Atlanta and all that Georgia area down there. I'm actually going to go back there next week to do a film with Dennis Quaid. So it's, I mean, there's a small part in the film, but yeah. But is that the, is that the new part that you just booked where you couldn't come to this or is that another one? That's a different one. Yeah. Okay. That is a different one. So you're going back there to shoot, shoots a little something with Dennis Quaid back in your hometown. Yeah. How cool is that? That's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, shit, that's like a, Man, that, that's that's something that is that's even more rare, right? You you go and you leave a small town like that, and you get to you get to go make it, be very successful, and twenty seven years later come back and, and shoot something with Dennis Quaid. So that's very cool. But talk to me about going out there when you when you did it. Uh, you know, I, I like I said, I grew up in a small town, and it's one of those things where I didn't really feel like I belonged in a small town. There was something else pulling me towards like wanting to make a bigger impact, not only on the world, but I guess make a statement for my family to get out of like that small town, Yeah, you know, just kind of expand. It makes sense to me. Yeah. That's the, that's, I think that's a piece of, that's like a psychological piece that happens to people that, uh, that, that make it, like you said, pulling me or drawing me going, um, you know, I, I feel like I have more to give than the, than where I'm at, and it it takes a certain kind of soul and mindset to recognize that and be like, you know what, man, I, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go bet on myself, and and I think I do have something bigger. And it, maybe it's some life experiences. Maybe it was, maybe it was through experiences on the different teams that you were talking about. Like, okay, I'm I'm this, I'm X, I'm Y. I got more, and I got more, and I got more, and I got more. Why not go do this? Yeah, I mean, I think there was just something that was bigger than me uh, that that was a like a gravitational pull for me to go out there because I'd never been to California before. Nobody you had that, like, did, did lived you do out any there. Kind I didn't, of I didn't know any. I did when I was younger. Yeah, some. Um, I mainly played sports. That was kind of my my only yeah. thing. I wanted wanted to do arts, and you know, no offense to my father or anything like that, but he was he always told me you'll never make any money in the arts yep. because he was a small town. He didn't know any better. Yeah, and like, they're, they're old school. Yeah. And so, uh, I just knew I was going to do that. And so I, I left, I got out of Georgia and I drove across country and then I booked something within the first two months of being out here. And I'm like, you know, pay your dues. What are you talking about? It was yeah. like this, uh, <laughs> immediate, it was like this. Yeah. I mean, it's like this pilot, which she is who she is now, but at the time, Michelle Williams was in it, um, who she married Heath Ledger, Heath Ledger, you know, um, and then Jimmy Naughton was in it. Jimmy did Chicago on Broadway and, and Harry Morgan, uh, who was 
I think Colonel Potter on Mash. Jesus. He was in it. So, so it was you, like get, this, you get out. Like this, you, you leave there when you're 19. You drive yeah. by yourself across the country to to LA. Yeah, and, yeah. And it's a funny story about that too because this was before cell phones and stuff like that. You yeah, know, absolutely. So any any time I wanted to call home to my mom and dad, I had to like do a payphone. Yep. And I I remember I was driving through, maybe it was New Mexico, mm-hmm. Arizona that that or maybe it was like south of Texas or something. And there was these like street signs, and it was like getting late at night, and they said, you know, warning: do not pick up hitchhikers. Could be people crossing the border, dangerous, you know, yeah. type thing. And so I was trying to find a hotel to sleep in because I didn't really. You can't. There wasn't no you know smartphone, so you couldn't like Google nearest hotel at the time. So I called my mom and my dad. I'm like, hey, yeah, listen, I'm about six hours away from Phoenix. I'm going to drive on over there. Uh, it's getting late, so. I said, I just passed some signs that said, don't pitch up, pick up hitchhikers. So I'm going to get out of this area yeah, as quick as I can. And then hung up the phone. Like, you know, I'll, I'll talk to you guys later. Love you. Yeah. Of course, my parents were worried to death, you know, like I, here's this 19 year old kid. You're making me sweat thinking about my own son <laughs> being at that age or even myself being back at 19 and to have the balls to, to leave and go do that and be out there by yourself like that. It's literally making me sweat, but go on. I mean, listen, I, I, I had, I, I didn't have much, right? So I had like one of those lamps you screw, screw together mm-hmm. from Target. It was like one of the first things I bought. And I had like a, you know, boom box and I had my clothes and a bunch of shoes and I don't know. I, that's all I had in my car. Yeah. Maybe like a little, you know, TV, but that's all I went out there with. Jesus. And you didn't have any, you didn't have... Um, you know, it's different now. Like you said, we'll, we'll date ourselves with this stuff. But right now, if you were making that same decision, you'd get on the internet. You'd be like, Hey dude, uh, yeah, yeah, there's a place. And you'd, you'd call someone, you'd check in on your cell phone a couple times. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to be, I'm a day late, but I'm, I'll be there. And I, yeah, I already got an apartment. I put down a deposit. There's none of that. You're just going to the, no. you're just going to Los Angeles. <laughs> and for all you know, yeah. you might sleep on in your car for a night. Yeah. Unbelievable. And then how do you even, pretty much. How do you even know how to start? Um, you know, it's one thing to okay. say, hey, I think I got the talent, but how do you even know to get in front of anybody to say, I, I want to audition or I, I want to get connected to starting this business? So I did do a workshop um, in Atlanta Okay. With this, with this manager who came out there, and he said, listen, if you ever think about coming to L.A., here's my card. Give me a call. Very cool. Okay. So I was in, I was in touch with him. But that's the only person I knew in Los Angeles. I didn't know anybody else, yeah. you know. So he introduced me to a guy that was looking for a roommate. We got in touch. And I said, hey, if you don't mind, I'll come by. And, you know, I, I stayed with the manager, I think, the first, like, two nights. And then I, you know, got the roommate situation. And then I started looking for an agent. And I, I think I... It's a funny story because I actually walked into this this guy's office, and I didn't have any. I didn't have a resume. I had a headshot from from Georgia, which was like subpar to L.A. headshots, you know. Yeah, yeah. somebody and somebody I, got you with the wind up uh, disposable camera and got got a pic of you on a, uh, against oh, the yeah, building like, wall. Oh you know, yeah, and charged me like a thousand dollars for like you know pictures back then. I'm like, sure, I'll pay it. Yeah. I'll be on nine hundred two and zero, whatever. Yeah. Oh, so. I walk into the office and I, and I said, Hey, listen, I'm looking for an agent. Um, 
is, is his name Sid Craig. And I said, is Sid there? Is Sid around? And the, the receptionist says, um, do you have an appointment? I said, no, but, uh, I'm here. Yeah. So if he's here and he's got some time, I'd love to meet with him. She goes, do you have a picture and resume? I said, yeah, here it is. She goes, okay, hold on one second. She went by there and talked to him. She goes, hold on right here. If he's got some time, he's going to talk to you. So I sat there for like 10 minutes. Yeah. And then the call came over and she goes, okay, he'll see you now. So I went back there and talked to him and I'm like, you know, I ignorant as could be. I had no idea right. that you don't just walk into an agent's office and start trying to make, you know, small right. talk with them. Now, right? just to, just to get the setting <clears throat> is this, um, you know, in my mind, you know, right now I'm instantly like Ari from entourage. Is this a pretty fancy LA, like a nice established agency a nice office? He's got a secretary. I mean, it's, it, you're, you had to be feeling kind of a little bit out of place. Like this is, this is big time, some nerves, some, Holy shit. Yeah, it's nothing it's nothing to what's compared now. Like ICM has like a you know, like right. a fifty story building. Right. CAA's got this huge massive complex. Uh he had an office on Melrose Place and it was like a you know, old house converted into an office. I got you kind of an and off so, the street thing, not as intimidating as getting in an elevator, you're going up through security like today. Okay, I got you. Right. You're still going into and this so, office though, so that's still intimidating and you're you don't know anything. Yeah. <laughs> And it was old school because back then, like, you know, you could still smoke indoors and stuff. So mm-hmm. I go back in this office and he's and Sid's like, hey, so uh, tell me about yourself, kid. And like, I'm like, do you mind if I smoke? And like, so I think I smoked a cigarette and we talked for a while. And then uh, he said, listen, that's not the way you do it. You, you know, send in your headshot and where are you from and this and that, whatever. Uh, about three hours went by and I got a phone call and said, hey, you know what? I'm going to take a chance on you, kid. Wow. And so that's how that happened. How many, I mean, first of all, I, I, I don't even want to ballpark the number of people that try to do what you just explained and have zero success. I, I don't even want to ballpark <clears throat> the number, but I know whatever the number is, the outcome of your story that you just told is is 1%, maybe less than 1%, and the rest of them are 99.7, uh, just knowing a little yeah. bit about how this all works. So what, what, was the, what was the take a chance on you? Would you go... The, meaning take a chance on you just to audition or take a chance on you like that was your first the one you were explaining yeah, that you got like, in. yeah like i'll take a chance to uh submit you gotcha and, and you know you audition and see you how things go thing. exactly yeah gotcha wow so you had to have a pretty cool conversation you remember what the fuck you talked about <laughs> i know it wasn't i, I know no it wasn't idea, golf man. <laughs> No, I had no idea at the time what I was doing. Like, yeah. you know, I had no idea. Like, so literally, None. you, you really like, don't remember even the of what the context of that conversation was for the most part. No, I remember going in there and I just remember like sitting down thinking that I was like going to be like the next, you know, Johnny Depp or River yeah. Phoenix, you know, type thing at, at the time. And uh, I mean, maybe I was a little bit. I don't want to say cocky or arrogant because I'd never done, I never done any acting classes. Like not, I'd done like some in Atlanta, but not in LA. So I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. But the cocky and arrogance is, is, is part of it. If you're not, if you don't have that, it kind of sucks because as soon as you hear that, it's, it's a negative tone. You know what I mean? Like cocky, arrogant, nobody wants to be around somebody that's cocky and arrogant, but if it's, if it's controlled and you know that you're, you, it, I 
it's a fine line between confident just because it's, yeah. Hey man. And by the way, it, every single person that's successful to a degree at the, at the highest level in a field, uh, has that they're, they're all that. So that's why well, yeah, you are where you are what... at the same time. You know, it's not a bad thing to be like, I was, uh, I'm pretty cocky and pretty arrogant. It, it's, it sounds, it has such a negative tone to it, but it, it also is, yeah. gives you the result of where you got to. Maybe I, I phrased that wrong. Maybe I should say this. So when I grew up, I played sports. I mm-hmm. played baseball, football, and wrestling. Mm-hmm. And I knew that when it came to those sports, that I was going to be the hardest worker in the room. Yeah. I, and I did everything I could do to be the best athlete that I, that I could be with my size. And I think at the time, you know, when I was 18, I was benching like 350 pounds at the time. Like I was pretty, like I was dedicated to what I did. Yeah. So I knew, I knew that no matter what was thrown at me in life and future, whatever, I knew that I had the discipline to work hard at whatever it was that was thrown at me. So it, it, when I was talking about arrogance or, you know, being cocky or whatever, I don't think it was that it was just me knowing that I would do whatever it took to work my butt off to be great at what I was doing. Yeah. And and it's so, it's so cool to kind of hear you say that too, because that's literally the opposite of me. I, where I wish, I wish at that age I had that because I look back now and I was naturally good at some things and I could do things, but only the people that are the best. And it's such a good lesson to teach your kids and everything. They want to see these guys on TV and everything. And they have no idea the work that they put in and they are the hardest working people in the world. I always look back. I'm like, I wish I could have been that, but you know what? You're just kind of naturally wired that way. And once it starts to kind of fall in place, it becomes this, this is me looking at it to other people like yourself or people I've experienced getting to the top or, or, or excelling in something. <clears throat> when I look back on it, it's always the same thing. They have this different kind of mindset that it, it's, it's just, it's unique to saying I'm going to outwork people and I'm just going to fail. And, and, and by the way, a lot of people that even have that part still don't make it. So you know what I'm saying there? I agree. So yeah. it, it's such a unique thing to, to have that type of, I have it now in my older age, just with, you know, things that I need to, uh, you know, my professional career and this and my family and stuff, but that didn't come at a young age. So it's such a unique thing that you had that at 18 or 17 and 18 and then 19 had the balls to go do it and going, you know what? I know I'm going to go out there and it's going to, might be rough for a little bit or whatever else, but I will outwork anybody else. So once I start learning this trait, I'm going to put everybody else in, in the dust. And I'm not saying, you know, not ever just sitting here saying it's over and you, you, you've reached that and you're just, you know, scooping up Oscars. That, that's not what anybody's here to say, but you've made it to no. this and, and what you are from driving across the country to do it, having that confidence that you just said to outwork everybody. Yeah, and I think I attributed too because I didn't drink in high school or anything like that. Like I wasn't like a party kid. Like I was like yeah. getting up, like you know, biking twelve miles, and then you know, going and working out before class started, and then working out after class, and then or you know, before practice. And it just it was the discipline of that of like saying, okay, like I'm not here to like you know make my life a party. And yeah, you know, I did that for a couple of years when I got out to LA. Kind of got you know off track a little bit. Yeah, you get but, scooped into it. Yeah, a little bit, but that's just being young too. Right, and, yeah. and but it's not. I never made it uh, a priority to go party. 
or anything yeah, like that. Like I, I'm the guy that goes to bed at 10 o'clock. I listen, my ideal thing would be to be go to bed at like nine o'clock, get up at like four o'clock in the morning, you know, go work out and have my day on set or whatever. That'd be my ideal thing. But I, you, I, yeah, you had me until the, the 4 a.m. And, and then going to work out. But, you know, I, I was the I was the party guy starting, I think, like freshman in high school. Right? I caught in and again, I'm, I'm nothing like you when it comes to that. And that's why I'm so fascinated by it. You said a word in there um, that, that's so critical to, to what you do and, and the respect that I have for actors and acting. Because when you when you watch a show or you watch a movie or, or anything that you see where somebody prepares, you said discipline and it, it you think it comes easy to them. I sit there and watch an incredible scene where they, and I don't know how much it edits or, or the takes to, to do whatever or it's chopped up, but I don't give a shit. And I just see them rip. And the, the memorization um, of like just a very intense scene or, or a movie and this and that and, and the delivery of it and all these things, I have such respect for the, the hard work that goes into it to prepare for it. You can't mail it in, man. You can't. Yeah, fuck off Tuesday night, fuck off Wednesday night, Thursday. Oh, I got to go to audition Friday morning. Oh, I'll just roll it out. You're competing against people like you that have worked their ass off and have read that thing all week and are prepared for it and go in there and let it rip. And like you said, the discipline, and, and it's, it's, I'm just fascinated by that mindset of those people that don't just say, yeah, I'm in high school, I don't give a shit, I'm going out drinking with everybody else. It's always the, when, like I said earlier, when you hear the story about people that have made it, it always seems to be the same thing of like, yeah, I drove the, you know, I went out here when I was 18 or 19 and I have a dollar in my pocket and, and look where I am today. But what, what I hear more often than that even is what you're explaining, that that different mindset of a work ethic that I was just kind of different than everybody else. I didn't fall into it. I just wanted to win. I just wanted to work. I just wanted to be something else. I wanted to get out of where I was. Whatever the motivation is, there was something driving you or drawing you and it continues to have you excel today to what, to what how you're excelling in this career. I mean... <clears throat> I, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And there's some people that are just blessed and I'm not one of those people. I have to work my butt off because if I'm not, I don't have a photographic memory. I know plenty of people in this business that can just show up, look at the scene one time and have it memorized. Yeah. And, and probably they, they something like that, but that, of, that's rare. <laughs> yeah. There's a couple of people that I work with. I work with Mary Lou Henner who was on taxi and like she's done a, she had yes. a wonderful career. But she's one of 12 people that have an autobiographical uh, memory, which she can remember everything that's ever happened in her life and the time that it's happened. Wow. That's incredible. So she can remember, like, she, she can look at this one time and have it memorized. Boom, done. Done. Yeah, that's a whole different ballgame. And then there's just this, then there's yeah. just talent. Like, you know, I'm. I'm from Northeast Ohio, Youngstown. So you, you grew up knowing about Frank Sinatra, right? And and that type of lifestyle. And they, yeah. used to, they used to call Sinatra like, you know, one one take, one take Frank or whatever. And you hear stories about him. He would just roll into a studio and boom, 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 and each each song, whatever, one take, and he's he's out the he's out the door. Uh, that's a whole different like rare type of thing. So, yeah, know, just appreciating that that type of work ethic and everything you had, you know. So. You get in this guy's office. You're talking about God knows what. He's going to take a chance on you. You get a break here or there. What's that first kind of big break? I, I, well, first of all, it just a, a two months into having success has to be like, holy shit, man. I, I'm really doing it. Yeah. Like, what the hell's going on here? I had no idea what I was doing. Yeah. None. <laughs> I had no idea. And, and you know what's funny? is that like I think I, I watched that, that, that tape 
because it was never aired on TV. It was like a mid-season replacement. Okay. But I, I got a copy of it. I don't know where it's at now, but I saw a copy of it, and I'm just, I felt mortified. I'm oh, like, man. Fuck, are you doing? <laughs> Everyone's going to see us. I know. What is this? Yeah, I'm um, like, oh, my God. Yeah. It's horrible. I had, like, this longer hair. It was kind of curly, and I, like, you know, thought I was trying to be cool by having yeah. the long hair. But, oh, my God. I just looked like a – to me, I was like, ugh. That was the first time I saw myself on camera like yeah. that, you know? And expo- you're no totally idea. exposed. And yeah. you know at that moment you are open to every single, like, kind of critic and eyes. And, it, 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 like, oh, my God, I, I, that feeling like I can I want to crawl into a hole right now. I put, turn it away. I don't want to see it. Like, yeah, my skin started to – I got really hot. And, like, I just – yeah, yeah. I, still, I still talk about it in therapy. So. Yeah, I know exactly. I know. I know that feeling uh, that you're talking about when you, you like get hot and you see yourself and like, oh goodness, what is that? So, um, yeah. you know, obviously, if, if if you agree with it, that like kind of your one of the biggest breaks, or whatever, is this Tyler Perry. Like, yeah, I, I mean, massive. First of all, I am fascinated. Anytime I hear this, is probably sounds pretty pathetic small town Ohio or whatever you want to call it. But anytime I hear of anybody that is worth a certain net worth or that has done certain things where I'm like, okay, you're worth a billion dollars. I've got to find out about you. I've got to learn about you because most people like that didn't come from it. They have built it and they have made it. And it's like, what in the fuck did you do to get to this point? That's 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 Tyler Perry. Uh, what what I think, like all all of a sudden, I just start hearing this guy. Like, okay, he's on this commercial. He's this. He's this. This advertising. I'm like, oh my god, who is this guy? He's just blowing up. And you get your break, kind of in this thing with have and have nots. Um, how how did that come about? Your your character Oscar, correct? Yeah, and yeah, then, yeah. yeah. So speaking of Tyler Perry, he used to sleep in his car. Exactly. You see what I mean? It's always he had he had people buy him groceries. It's incredible. He came from absolutely nothing, and he has built a huge empire because he has a message that he wants to share with the world. Yeah, he's got a vision, and he has decided that nothing will stop him from sharing that vision and getting to that point. And you had what you explained is what that same type of mindset takes to get to all these things of. of of that level of success. It doesn't matter the industry. It does, it's acting, it's musician. They, 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 they're, you know, they're 10 years old and they see a band play and they say, you know what? I look at that drummer and they're mesmerized and something clicks and they say, no, nah, I don't give a fuck what happens. I'm not sitting in a cubicle. I'm not doing X. I'm not doing Y. I'm going to go play the drums on a stage someday. And yeah, maybe they slept in a car for two years in New York city before they met Bruce Springsteen and ended up, you know, being his drummer or whatever the story is. But the guy sleeps in his car. Look at him now. It's worth a billion yeah. goddamn dollars, and he's built an empire. And yeah, I know. So, the, so what happened with that is uh, kind of one of those stories you hear about, but you don't know it actually happens. Well, I'm here to tell you it does happen. Yeah. Uh, I was working in a restaurant, uh, this restaurant that a lot of people go to in Hollywood, and he was standing at the end of the bar waiting for his table to be cleared. And I was bartending. Okay. And you know, he he did he, he had a studio in Atlanta was doing really well and employing a lot of people in Atlanta. 
and I saw him at the end of the bar and I literally went to him with a sense of gratitude to say, Hey, because I was going back to Atlanta like the next week to run yeah. in a tough mutter. I think my Where's brother he from? Just, Where's he from, brother. by the way. He's from New Orleans originally, okay. I believe. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so I went up to him and I said, I said, Hey, excuse me. Um, he goes, what, excuse me, you know, what's up? I'm a, like, Mr. Perry, like, I just want to introduce myself. I'm Philip. I'm from Atlanta. I just want to say that I think what you're doing back there is fantastic. And, it, you know, it really makes my heart happy that you're doing that back there. You know, thank you. You know, and he goes, yeah. oh, where are you from? I said, well, I'm from, you know, Atlanta, whatever. And I said, I'm actually going back there next week. And he goes, oh, no way. I'm, I'm going to go. Uh, I was going to run in a tough mutter or something back there. And um, he goes, I'm going to run in a Spartan race, like, in a couple of weeks, too. That's cool. He goes, nice to meet you and, you know, whatever. That was it. Okay. End of conversation. Holy shit. Like a 30 cent, you know, yeah. minute to conversation. So six months later, and this is where spirituality and me get kind of like, you know, I, I really think there's something else in my life that yeah. I can't access, but it's just there. Six months later, I was playing around the golf and I had to go down to the, no, no, I think that, that, that morning, it was actually that morning that I was, I played in a round of golf. I was leaving cause I had to go back home and shower to go to work mm-hmm. that morning <clears throat> or that afternoon before I left, I was going to my car and I said goodbye to my buddy. And then I, I'm getting my clubs in the car and my buddy starts yelling at me and he's like, Philip, Philip, come back here, come back, come back. And I'm like, what? He goes, come here, man, come here. Somebody had died on the golf course, had a heart attack. Jesus. And they brought <clears throat> and they brought him up to the front of the golf, you know, shop or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And everybody's like, "What do we do? What do we do? What do we do?" And I don't know why my buddy called me back, but I got on top of him and I started doing CPR, you know, and resuscitated him. Yeah. And the fire department showed up and the guy was back, but if it wasn't for me doing that, he wouldn't have lived. Wow. Did you, by the way, did you have any kind of training with that or just, just normal? Just in, instinct, instinct took over. Like yeah. I, Everybody yeah, I mean, has I, I a little bit of it. stuff and hear it and see it and just kind of an instinct. Let me give this a shot or the, because the alternative is death. L- listen, there were eight other people standing around right. and my buddies calling me to come back and I run back and I just jump in there and do it. I don't know. I mean, somebody else could have done it. It just, it was me yeah. that happened to do it. Well, you're, you're obviously, and I don't know you well, and I'm, I'm learning a lot very quickly, but you're obviously one of those people, and I'm, I'm around some of those people a lot. I, I went through a little traumatic thing this past summer with my daughter choking. Uh, she's one years old, and she started choking, and she turned blue, and me and my wife, I grabbed my brother. <clears throat> I just grabbed a shoulder. I'm like, you know, what, what I do? Because he's, he's just one of those people. Had he not been there, I, I don't know what to come. There's certain people that just have different instincts. Like you said, I, I'm very tied in with what you said, like my spirit. You know, you're not you're not saying anything surprising to me than when somebody feels certain ways and, and things and things happen through the course of their life and they experience traumatic things that they they're different people. So I, I'm right there with you when it comes to that. You're one of those people. And that's that's cool shit. So you resuscitate this and, person and they all show up. And so that night I met Tyler Perry. Six months later, my phone rings and he goes, Hey man, how you doing? I'm like, uh, who's this? He goes, this is Tyler Perry, man. What's up? I'm like, he goes, I got your number from the restaurant. I, you know, he goes, here's here's the deal. He goes, I'm writing the new season for the haves and the have-nots, and 
as I was writing this character, your image popped up in my head. Get out. Meeting you that night at the bar, it popped up in my head, and I want to know if you want to audition for the character. And I said, I, I would be honored to. Like, you know, just tell me where to go and tell me what to do. Yeah. So he goes, all right, I'm going to get my people to send you stuff. And so the next day I went and I auditioned at the casting director. And later that night I get a FaceTime call from Tyler Perry saying, hey, man, I want you to take the part. Like, I want to offer you the part. Jesus Christ. So you, you, that 30-second conversation, you made that impression on him where he remembered you six months later? Yeah, I guess. And er, But earlier that morning you went through what you did? That's all the same time and day? Yeah. Yeah, man, that's that that's 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 next level level shit. I I I believe in that type of stuff. Uh, you know what I mean? Whatever you want to call those things, destiny and 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 timing and you know when I go through tough things, um, you know some of the toughest things I've been through in my life, and I, it helps me deal with them today. Going, man, just keep swinging, doing the right stuff, and and you'll get that break, and and something will change, and something will happen. How fortuitous is all that to happen at the same time? And for all that, all those worlds to collide to where you are today is fucking crazy. It's crazy. There's it's other inspiring. Stuff and I, it, yeah, but I also stop. Listen, I used to like try to control everything that happened in my life. Like try to like, you know, figure out how to do this and like where I'm going to be next week or whatever. Yeah. This past year and the past 10 years, actually, I've just honestly stopped trying to figure out what the next thing is going to be. Right. I stopped trying to think like, okay, well, what if I do this? What if I do stop? Things will happen how they're supposed to happen. People will show up in your life when they're supposed to show up in your life. If you're just operating at a, at a place of wanting to do better in the world and be a good person and, and spread like love more than, you know, worry about a story that you're living in or something like that. You just got to like surrender yeah. to what the universe will provide for you because it will. If you're meant from good things, if you're meant to do certain things, it'll provide for you. Yeah, I, I'm I'm so on the same page with that. And it, and by the way, for you don't have to be Philip Boyd, you don't have to be Tyler Perry to <laughs> to live like that and to think that. Um, I, I had a very similar conversation. I'm just talking normal life, uh, very simple normal life stuff. Can even if you have that great way of thinking, do you find yourself at times? you regress a little and you get caught back up in it and you got to reel yourself back in and say, all right, man, hold on. Like, just chill out. Keep, keep swinging of what, what we know in our head. Like you said, giving that love and, and doing the right thing all the time. And no matter if you, if you take some losses in a row and you get some hard times or whatever else, if you just keep on going with it, something is going to happen. And if, if you have that attitude more times than not, it does. And it will. And that can be as that can be, a small level that can be a small level in a normal American home that you get that job or, or you, you, you know, you pull your family out of that poverty or you, you do this or you, it's a sport at, at a high level. You get this acting job. You get, it doesn't matter what aspect of life you're in. It's the same way of thinking and to, to live your life like that. And you'll get the results that you want. I, I'm a firm believer in everything that you just said when, when it comes to that. I really am. Here's how crazy it is. Okay, Jeff. Um, Earlier this year, back in December, I had planned, I did a movie in November in Atlanta, and then me and my younger brother got a house in, in Georgia, and I was going to go back there and live because 
everything was shut down. Yep. I could probably, you know, there was work going on in Atlanta, some stuff, whatever. And so I decided I was going to go back to Atlanta and just make that my home base. I get back there and I'm there for three weeks and I get a phone call about two weeks in that there's a movie offer for me back in LA. <laughs> so I'm like, okay. So I drive back to LA. I get caught in that whole like, you know, ice storm that was going through Texas. Huh. It takes me like five days to get through there or whatever. Drive back to LA. I do the film out there. I pack up all my stuff in my apartment to ship back to Atlanta because after that film, I was going to go back to Atlanta. Yeah. The day I ship out my stuff to Atlanta, that was my plan, right? Yeah. My plan was to go back to Atlanta. Right. The day I ship it back, I get a phone call. Hey, Philip, they want to offer you another movie that shoots 10 days out in LA from, from today. I'm like, well, but I just shipped all my stuff back yeah. to Atlanta. Like but I have, I, I have, don't have, I have anything. I literally have, I have nothing. I have to go buy an air mattress. Yeah. And I sleep on an air mattress. So, so I do that. And then I book a part in Atlanta. I'm like, great. Okay, perfect. I'll drive back to Atlanta. As I'm driving back to Atlanta to go shoot this part, I get a call for a commercial in Las Vegas and then a series in San Diego. And so I'm like, okay, I haven't given up my apartment yet. So I'll go, I'll drive out there to Atlanta for a week, do that part, go back to, you know, Las Vegas, San Diego, then Los Angeles. And then obviously I book another part in Los Angeles, getting ready to go back to Atlanta. General hospital calls and says, Hey, we want to bring you back on as a recurring character, you know, because COVID settled down right now. And I'm like, I've been trying to get out of Los Angeles <laughs> since January of this year. I'm trying to leave you guys. Okay. Let it's, me it's out. September the 15th. Right. It's September the 15th. And I, I'm literally in an apartment now with nothing in it. I'm staying with a buddy of mine. Uh, you know, I, I house sit, I house sat for uh, Chelsea and, and, and Rhett. Rhett Reese, who wrote Deadpool, and yeah. Chelsea Crisp, who's on Call My Agent now. Yeah. Um, I house set for their house, and they've got like a four-story mansion. Yeah, you know, yeah, with yeah. like, you know, Ryan Reynolds, Deadpool yeah, statue in it. I'm just like, yeah, they're living nice. That was a hard one to leave. Uh, <laughs> That's a good house so now, set. Now I, have, I literally have nothing, and I'll probably – I, I got to do a film, you know, next week in Georgia, so I'm going to drive back there again. And see if I can stay back there for a little while and just kind of take it easy for a bit. Yeah, the universe has different plans for you. Um, is the is the only other person showing up to these auditions, Joe? And that's why you're winning all of them. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I had Joe's job. He's on a great series now, the Apple TV thing. That yeah, he's shooting, man. Right? Yeah. Maybe we, I, I can't talk about it, but well, we talked a little bit about it on the podcast, at least enough to to talk about it. But yeah, I I can't wait to actually have him back on. Um, to talk about it, man. I, I can't wait to hear more about it and everything. So yeah, he's, uh, he's doing well, but I had to bust his balls a little bit because I'm like, well, how do you, you know, how do you know, Phil? He's like, well, you know, we'll go on auditions and every auditions and everything. I said, oh, I said, well, no wonder he's so much more successful than you. He, you're his competition every time. <laughs> so I'm, I'm sure Listen, he'll get a Joe's kick out a of great actor. This. Yeah. I mean, he's, yeah, do, he's doing good. I, I, I love watching him and stuff. It's, it's different when you, um, it's very weird when you know somebody very well for a long time and then you see them on screen because you judge yeah. them a totally different way. And if they're at first you are like, Ooh, that, that doesn't work. Like it's, it doesn't fit. It doesn't work. <laughs> and when I know you're good is when I can 
watch a show and, and, and watch the things that you do and you're not one of my best friends that I, that I go on vacation with a couple times a year in, in this, you're just, you're, you're just this character and I, and I'm in on the character and I, and you've sold me on the character. So that's how, I, that's how I know he was kind of meant to do it and he's talented and I'm super excited about his future as well. Very cool stuff. Yeah, me too, man. Big time. I can't wait. You yep. know, you, you're talking about all these things, um, you know, that have, that have just come up and, and happened to you and, you know, I, I know you've had hardships and everything, and, and I, I think you, in a, in a weird way, I think you benefit from those things no matter what. If you've made it through to the other side, you, you grow through them. Um, I, I lost my mom in a very quick cancer battle at 20 years old at a very impressionable time in my life, and you never get over it. I'll never get over it. It cuts me apart every phase of my life, like, you know, I have kids, it doesn't matter what it is, every one of their birthdays, I look around the room, and I'm like, you know, fuck, and, and it kills me, and I, I have my own moments of breaking down and everything, but at the same time, because I went through that, and because that happened to me, I, I'm just a different human being when it comes to looking at life, and the way I experience it, and the way my mind works, a lot of my friends laugh at me and stuff, and they get so conservative, whether it's either about money, or having a life experience, or doing this, and I'm like, dude, Fuck it. Let it rip. Tomorrow can be my day. Now, that doesn't mean you go live completely irresponsibly, but there's just this certain Correct. perspective, the way you look at everything and go, and, and I can still get caught up in things and let this, she would always tell me, don't sweat the small stuff because I have a crazy ability to let the small things really fuck me up. And she, she yeah. I, have a, I, have a, I have a quote of her, a picture in her writing that she actually wrote me a letter, don't sweat the small stuff. It's on my bed right now tonight when I go to sleep. And I try to remind myself of that all the time. So it's, it's made me a better person, these hardships, um, you know, and I know you've had some of those things in your life and there's all these, you know, serendipitous things that have happened to you and just the stories we've told the, the, the Jason day experience, this Tyler Perry experience, how in God's name do you one move on from anything you've had and, and what effect, and then how are you getting connected with people like Elton John? <laughs> I mean, talk to me, talk to me about this a little bit. So, I mean, this is a while ago too. Um, I had a brother, my older brother, who was my best friend. And so was mine. We were a year, we are a year apart and, uh, he got cancer 10 years ago and he passed away. So sorry, man. Yeah. Thank you. And sorry for your mom. And, um, it, it hurts. It, it, I think a part of me died that day when he passed on yeah. too. Totally, so. totally different experience than mine too. And I, 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 I can't imagine that. And, and I, and I totally agree with what you're saying that a part of me would too. I, I, I really can't. He's my best friend. I told, without me hearing you say that, I told a story earlier. He, I grabbed my brother. I grabbed my older brother to help me through what was happening to my daughter. And if he hadn't been there, it's just one of those things. So, um, man, I feel, I feel for you, but go on. So I was working at that restaurant. Same when I met Tyler Perry, because it's a very celebrity-driven yeah. restaurant. Great and gig, by the, the way. Very, time, very strategic. Of yeah. you to get in there. Way to go. <laughs> I mean, it just kind of happened, right? Yeah. Uh, so I listen. I know if you had anything with your brother that would happen, you would do anything for him yeah. to try to save his life. And and at the time, I was of the mindset: I'm going to do everything I can to help him out mm-hmm. in any which way I can, yep. no matter if I don't sleep, if I don't sleep for 60 days or whatever, I'm going to help him out wherever I can. So I was putting together a fundraiser in another bar that I had, uh, 
had part ownership on and we were going to raise some money for him and his family, for his kids, whatever they needed to get right. through this. And I think Elton and David at the time, they came into Craig's and they asked about me and David came back in and sat at the bar and we started talking and he asked me what was going on in my life and I told him, you know, and, and yeah. he said, and this is right in the well, thick of it get, when you're going through this. Yeah. This is right in the kind of the beginning. Right. Okay. And then they kind of, they would continue to keep tabs on me and then like we would talk, they would come in and we would, how's your brother doing? And obviously I said, I'm going to go back here for him and like all this stuff. But I said, we're doing a fundraiser. They're like, well, if we, we could do anything. Please let us know. I said, well, if you could donate tickets, that'd be fantastic. You know, to raffle them off anything you need. Wow. So they did that. And I'm like, thank you so much. I, you know, I don't know how to repay you this and that, whatever. So we became friends. They, they knew a lot about my life. I, they, I think they were at the time just having a kid of their own uh, through a surrogate. Yeah. When you're talking about they, you're talking about about David Furnish and and Elton John. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. exactly. And, um, we just got, became friendly with each other. Like, you know, like family almost to where they would check in on me and my brother passed away and they were very, very heartfelt, you know, sorry that that happened to me. They, they saw what I went through Mm -hmm. and, they said that must have been really hard for you. Why don't we? Why don't we take you to? We go on a summer vacation every year. We invite people to come and visit us. And why don't you come out and stay with us in Nice and just get your mind off of this for a while? You know, stay for like ten days and just, you know, recenter yourself. Incredible. So I, I agreed to go out there, and it was like one of the coolest experiences because they just. I mean, Elton doesn't play his piano inside of his house or anything like that, but like right. you would go down and have breakfast. You'd have breakfast in the morning. They'd have like a chef prepare breakfast yeah. and dinner and they would invite all these people to come over and, you know, they were out there. So you would talk to all these different people that I would never meet right, before yeah. in my life if it wasn't for them. And, and then, you know, just kind of stayed in touch and just took my mind off of it that that way by being supportive and being a good friend. I mean, they've done so much for the, the you know, the community with AIDS and like research yeah. and foundation, raising yeah, money huge, for that. Huge, They're, huge they just, foundation for AIDS. Yeah. And Elton's been sober for, you know, a very long time. And I think David got sober shortly after, you know, I met him and they care about people. Yeah. And I was they want to say the, good com- for people. the compassion of those people um, to do something like that for you. And, and number one, I, I, you know, they can't do that. F- people like that ha- have to wake up with the feeling they want to help everybody and, and do it. And they know they can't. Um, but, but I think it's a, a, a pretty good testament to you. Um, you know, just like things you were saying earlier, I think it's a pretty big testament to you that they, that they felt something in you and it's sincere and it's authentic and, and and they were drawn to you. They had to be drawn to you in some way, and they were touched by your experience and your thing. So I, I really think um, I think that's pretty cool from your side and speaks speaks volumes about you and the way you live your life, too. I think that's really cool. Yeah, and talking about spirituality stuff, I had a very bad night when it came to dealing with the loss of my brother. Mm-hmm. I was, you know, had a one night where I was seriously contemplating taken my life yeah the worst it was really bad and a buddy of mine came over that night and sat with me 
And it's so funny. And without, he didn't know anybody else in my life really. And the next morning, I get a phone call from Elton out of nowhere, like out of like, he goes, Hey, listen, Philip, I want you to know I, I feel what you're going through. And I wanted to call you, you something, something told me to call you. And Jesus I'm calling God. you to like say, Hey, it's going to be all right. You need to hang in there. You know, you're one of those people that need to hang in there. So. Yeah. The world needs you, man. Right. They need every single one of us. It's, it's just amazing how that, the timing of that has to make you, has to make you think, um, I don't take that stuff lightly when you're talking about all that spirituality and all that stuff. I don't, I don't take it lightly. There's so many things that uh, if you, if you, if you want to buy into it and, and be a part of it, the universe will, will do those type of things to you. That's, that's absolutely incredible. Um, I can't imagine what was going through your head when you answered that phone. It's like, what? Wow. I, I mean, you yeah. kind of had to lift you up and, and uh, you know, maybe wake you up because, you know, I, I wouldn't, I would never fault. I, I've learned this through my life. I used to have an opinion. Um, I used to have a certain opinion on people that, that got to that point and would just think, you know, fuck you. Like, what? What's wrong with you? And, and you know, you, you grow and you mature and you, you go through things. And if you've ever been through some hell, some real shit, even if it wasn't as close to that experience, if you have felt it, if you have felt it, 10 out of a hundred on a, on a scale, it's real enough to go, man, I can't imagine what it's like at 50 or 75. And that's what, and that's what happens. And those people get, that get to that point, they, they've seen some, some dark stuff and that, that it, 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 it's everybody else that helps us get through it. You said a buddy went and sat with you. You get a call from somebody like, I mean, that's a little bit different level <laughs> the next day of, of Elton John. I mean, that, you, now you're not talking about normal stuff, but, but I'm just saying for people, out there that go through it, it, it's always other people lifting you up and that support system. And I think no matter who you are, if you make it through, um, you know, what you have, it, it's a testament to that person more than anything. So it's, it's those people reacting to you, um, more than the other way around. I, I, I believe that. Yeah. Maybe it's just an energy thing too. You know, like I think everybody like works off of energy and when you put something out there energetically, you know, vibrations pick up other vibrations. So if you're vibrating on a certain wavelength and other people have been there or whatever, they will recognize that. And I don't know, maybe if they're cross paths, you can, you know, be able to like recognize that's what's going on. Yeah. And maybe that's what happened. I don't, I don't know. I don't know how it all works because I'm just yeah. trying to figure it out myself. Exactly. But, but that's the fun part. If you realize that and, and you, like I keep saying, you buy into it and you realize it and you trust it, that's the cool part. And, and, you got to be able to admit, I, I actually don't know myself, but I'm going to keep following that lead and I'm going to be, a, I'm going to be tuned into it because it, it, it's, it keeps me going and, and look at all the things that have happened. It's incredible. Yeah, Trust your gut. Yeah. You know, this is, this is, this has been really cool, Philip, uh, from the standpoint of, I, I got into doing this podcast because, and, and I've said this in some of my posts and I've, I've said this on some of my episodes. Um, this is, this is one of my favorite things to do. And, you and I talked a couple times before this. I, th I, I thought we were just, you know, that we had some things to talk about kind of off the, uh, you know, some topics to kind of touch on. And we've gone and down this path. And I'm so happy that it, that it has just kind of come out organically because I got into this because I'm, I'm a big fan of therapy. I've been in therapy. 
And this is kind of what that felt like in a weird way. And it's, it's something that I just, it's, it's like a hobby. I enjoy talking about the real shit. I enjoy talking about the things in, in, in people's lives that, that change and, and all over the world, it's those people that have those conversations and go through those things that greatness comes out of and that keeps the world turning and going. And I truly believe in all that and believe in that momentum of your own personal life. And this has just been a blast for me to, to sit down and talk with you and, and have it fall into all this stuff because I, I, this is one of my favorite things to do. I do this on, on a weekly basis, uh, like all the time. And I, and I went, you know what, why not start recording it and putting it on tape? Because I love meeting new people. I love hearing their stories. I've got my own story to tell, but I, I like hearing about other people's stories and how I can relate to them and how we can connect. And, and I already feel kind of a connection to you forever, man. You, you come to Ohio. I'm, I'm out in L.A. And, Joe, I, I can't wait to kind of see you in person and we hang out. And I, I, I've just loved it, man. It's, it's really cool shit. Yeah, me too, man. I'll take you out to play golf out here, and you can do the same for me in Ohio. Yeah. Oh, 100%. I, I was looking forward to that round. Um, for sure. Me too, man. I, I love that fall golf in Ohio, man, on those plush courses. So I, I, I literally cannot thank you enough for sitting down and, and sharing some, um, some pretty personal stuff there. It, it absolutely means the world to me. Um, I can't wait for people to hear it. I can't wait for, uh, you know, to hear some of the reactions to it. And I, I just can't thank you enough. You're a good dude, man. My pleasure, man. Anytime. Yeah, I appreciate you. Let's stay in touch. I'll talk soon. All right, brother. Good luck. Talk to you later, man. We hope you enjoyed the episode, and thanks for listening. Join our vibe at Go Check the Tapes and GoCheckTheTapes.com. Mm-hmm.